welcome to Shades and Coffee, the almost weekly look good, feel good podcast presented by me, Vivian Braidwood. My guest today is a man with a fascinating history. Having worked as an international headhunter for 20 years, he went on to form his own recruitment firm. Kessler Professional Services was named in honour of his mother, but everything was changed by 9-11 when the towers came down. This led to a period of reflection and a deep sense of wanting to give back to the community he was raised in. He followed his heart, shut down his company and became an educator. In 2013, he joined the LaSalle Institute to build a business programme that was designed to bring the classroom into the real world. The only programme of its kind, and he's never looked back since. Please welcome Michael Levy. Thank you so much for spending the time with me today. How are you? I'm doing well. Um, as best as can be expected in this crazy time period we live in. You know, Vivian, to be honest, I always say you can only control the things that are in your circle and anything that's outside of your circle you can't control. So why are you wasting time with it? You know, Doris, was it Doris Day or Debbie? No, it was Doris Day. She sang a song, um, K Sarah, Sarah, whatever will be, will be. And I kind of live that. You know, I'm kind of a go with the flow person, but that's how I go through life. I'm very positive. I'm always optimistic. I'm a dreamer. I'm just someone that sees not the forest or I don't see the trees. I actually see the forest. So I'm always much bigger picture. Um, does that mean it always works out? Hell no. But uh, I'm always willing to give it a try. Okay, well, I'll be thinking of you guys because, you know, the recent results are fresh, <laughs> fresh out of the box. I do hope that you guys, as in a society, I hope this just takes things off the boil a little bit so that people can see the woods <laughs> and the trees. Yeah, I, I pray every day that um, cooler heads will prevail, but um, the United States has never been a country with cooler heads. The composition of the U.S., the U.S. is touching in, you know, a really interesting place as far as societies go, because, you know, it's obviously one of the newer societies and people coming from all over the world. When people talk of immigration in the U.S., for me, not being a, a U.S. citizen, I find it hard to get my mind around it because I thought the whole thing was about everybody being able to immigrate there, in which case they're all sorts of immigrants, if that makes sense. And I thought that was what was special. Vivian, it was. 9-11 changed everything. We, we were always an open door policy. We always, you know, the Statue of Liberty says it. Give us your tired. Give us your poor. You know, um, it doesn't say give us your wealthy and give us only the people that can do something. All right. Uh, but 9-11 changed everything. It changed how we look at things. Okay. And to get back to the way we were uh, prior to 9-11, I don't think we'll ever get back to that. And there's so much distrust. There's so much angst. Everybody is on pins and needles in this country. We have a cancel culture. We have, a, we have people that if you say something, they're offended. You have to watch what you say. You have to watch how you say it. You have to watch your, your vocal inflections. And, you know, we've lost our sense of humor, we've lost our ability to look at ourselves and laugh. And that's because of 9-11. Here in the UK, some of the things you were saying about losing our sense of humour, being really careful what you say, cancel culture, communication is no longer a two-way street because you're not really sure if you can communicate your truth without offending the other person. You know, if you want to have a conversation, I know in, in my family, I'm sure it's the same for you with my friends, if we have a disagreement, 
I don't cancel them. We have differences of opinion within my very closest circle of friends. I still love them. And so I think as a society, we could learn from maybe what happens in our family units. You don't just disown your children or your grandchildren or your parents because there are things about you that they won't agree with or they may not like and vice versa. And so when you want to bring about healing, if that turns into an argument, for instance, healing means a conversation. You shouldn't have to censor what you're saying. If it's your truth, it's how you feel and you're saying it respectfully. And I think that's where things are going a little bit um, awry because if you can't have a conversation, how can you find your way back to understanding, you know, if you feel that you can't speak? Very true. You were personally affected by 9-11 because you had a business. You were based Yes, I was. For 20 years, uh, I was an international headhunter for the reinsurance industry. And um, many of my clients were in the Wall Street area of New York, and a lot of them were in the towers. In 1999, I left the company I was with, and I reestablished myself as an independent Kessler Professional Search, which is named after my mother. I honored my mother by naming my company after her maiden name. Then when the planes hit the towers, I pretty much lost 30% of my business. I tried to keep the business going for a little while after that, but at the same time, I was beginning to get this internal drive inside of me to do something different, to change my life, and basically give back to the community I was raised in. And I thought the best way to do that would be to become a teacher. So I signed up with one of the public schools here to be a substitute teacher. And I fell in love with teaching. A year after 9-11, I permanently closed the doors on my business. It certainly speaks to what you said earlier about you going with the flow. Within 12 months of that happening, something spoke uh, within you and you thought, I want to give back to the community that I was raised in. And then you've just made that that switch. I found out that LaSalle Institute was looking for a business teacher and I jumped at the opportunity. I sent my resume in and I came in for an interview. You know, I had told them, if you want a business teacher that's just going to come in here and teach academics, I'm not your guy. If you want somebody that's going to shake things up and really make a difference in teaching business, I am your guy. Here I am, eight years later, I'm business department chair. You know, I'm a department of one, so, you know, if I'm really mad at myself, I can fire myself, but then I come (laughs) back. So we started out small. Uh, We only had three classes that we were offering at the time, and then we now offer nine classes. Um, LaSalle Institute is the only secondary school or high school anywhere in the world that does real world business. We work with 60 companies or have worked with and are still working with the majority of them, but 60 companies in 13 countries. And we've done everything from rebranding companies up to building full scale marketing plans for companies. First thing that jumped to mind that caught my attention was these are high school students, not undergraduates, not graduates. You know, the success of the program clearly demonstrates, given the proper tools and guidance, these kids can accomplish tasks just like any professional. Yeah. And, and, the, and the one thing I always say is that there's one major difference between my kids and a 20-year or 30-year professional. And it and it has nothing to do with the fact that the professional is getting paid to do this and the kids aren't. Okay. My kids don't come with any baggage. A 20 to 30-year professional thinks that they know how to do the job and they're not open to anybody else's opinions. And this is the way I do it. And that's the way it is. And a kid who's doing it 
is going to try every possible avenue to make it work until they determine, oh, this isn't going to work, and I'll move on to something else to make it work. A a 30-year professional doesn't do that. They will actually throw up their hands and say, this isn't going to work, and I'm going to walk away from it, instead of actually sitting down and thinking outside the box. My kids think outside the box. But I, I always say this. If we give our teenagers who are in school the guys, the support, and the tools, they can accomplish anything a professional person can accomplish. This program is living proof of that. You know, the first international company we worked with is right in the Midlands, Marlboro of England. They're a leather manufacturer, handbags, they make flasks and all kinds of accessories and, 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 and novelties and that kind of stuff, but mostly bags and, and that. company We work with internationally, we rebranded the world. And one of our kids one day said, that makes no sense. You're in England, completely outside of the box. So we helped them rebrand as Marlboro of England. And that rebranding helped their business tremendously in their own backyard. They saw sales go up. Yes, they did. We work with companies. um, We work with Bolsonova handbags out of Milan, Italy, aka via New York City. We've worked with companies in France, uh, Portugal, Spain. Israel, uh, we have two companies in Israel that we currently are associated with, as well as obviously in our own backyard here in the United States. Um, And we've done some amazing stuff. When our kids come out of our program, they have a portfolio. How many 18-year-olds do you know can go off to college with a full portfolio of the work that they've done? They are light years ahead of their contemporaries when it comes to business. I did read the list of companies that you engage with, Michael, right across the USA, but globally, China, France, yeah. Germany, Portugal, the Netherlands, Norway, Poland. Absolutely incredible. I mean, a few questions came to mind. How do the kids engage with them pre-COVID-19? Was there any travel, any plans to incorporate that within the program? Um, the travel part of it was kind of tough to get, to get into being because it's so expensive to travel and we are a small private school. So um, we would have to raise the money and to go overseas, that's a lot of money to raise. So that has always been an issue. We would like to add that travel package in. Everything that they do in engaging with the companies is via technology. And um, that's worked. It, it's kind of the new age. Everybody is telecommuting. So this program, in a sense, is telecommuting. I know here in the UK, people that I've spoken with, interviewed or business associates, friends, family, if they didn't have the type of role where they worked from home previously, it took a while for people to adjust. But these kids have been doing this for how many years now where they're communicating with their clients through, yep, you know, remotely so through, exactly. So they would have built up the, the, the various sort of strengths yep. that you need to in order to make that mode of communication work. So that, in a way, that's an advantage. Yes, def- definitely. And to be honest, who better to be able to do this than our youth? Now, you're clearly building business leaders of tomorrow who are not afraid to work hand in hand with their key stakeholders using all the uh, modern technology to work hard, to work smart and to think globally. I love that it's important to you that they're not afraid of failure. So not all the projects succeeded. And this is part of the educational process. You called it going back to the drawing board. So I'm interested to learn more about how do the kids and, and how do your clients respond to failure? or to failed projects? I think in many cases, the clients understand that they're working with teenagers. They understand that these kids um, are neophytes, um, novices. They're more expecting that things won't work, I guess, than will work. 
and they're more surprised when we do accomplish because I think it's because they've never seen anything like this. We had a swim school here in the Capital District uh, come in there. I taught him at Shaker and he became a personal friend of mine, uh, the owner. So he comes in. It was Kevin's Swim School, which, uh, you know, here I am going to say this globally, but it was a lame name. And our kids thought so. And we rebranded him as XL Aquatics. So go the whole thing. And we have done so much for him over the years that his business grew by 400%. Wow. And he won't use anybody else but us. He has marketing firms knocking on his door and he won't use them. He will only use us. And every year you're getting new bodies in. It's all that whole learning process over one more time. And, and it's freshness. Um, so the businesses we work with, I think, appreciate that. I think it brings a fresh air into their businesses as well. It gives them their businesses a little life. It's been really unique. And um, this is why uh, James Phillips and I launched the GBEI, the Global Business Education Initiative. Uh, we had our first one in March of this year, right before COVID. Oh, actually, four days before we shut down. And it was highly successful. We had businesses come in. We had a business from Germany come in. We had uh, two from England, one from New York City, and then from our local market. It was amazing. This should not be just at LaSalle. This should be at every secondary school in the country that teaches business, giving these kids real-world exposure. We have this opportunity to change how we teach our kids in business. That if we don't bring the real-world aspect into the classroom, and, and I actually coin it bringing the classroom into the real world. Give the kids projects to work on, whether they pass or fail, so they can learn from what it means to work on a project, communicate with business leaders, and meet deadlines. If you don't meet a deadline, what's the ramification of not meeting the deadline? Shouldn't school be a microcosm of what the real world is? When it comes to education and who sets the curriculum, I think there are a lot of sort of push and pull factors and people have always said like, what is it important for kids to learn? In some countries, I think if you go to the um, Scandinavian countries, they're teaching things like empathy and things like that in classrooms. And I'm like, wow, that's really <laughs> forward thinking. You know, what are the life skills that kids need to learn? And I'm really surprised to hear that no one else in the world is doing this. Nobody's doing what we're doing. It takes imagination. It takes initiative. It takes the willingness to put something in that you have no idea whether it's going to work or not, but you have to have the willingness to try. Educationally, we all need to change to really, truly look at the well-being of our students and how do we make them contributing members of the societies they live in. And how do we bring them into the 21st century? And the only way we can bring them into the 21st century is that we bring education into the 21st century. Yeah. And that's what I'm doing in my classroom. You talked about earlier this being something unique, not happening anywhere else in the world. And I really wanted to know why. And I know in the UK, they have things called apprenticeships. And back in the day, they had what you would call the red brick universities and the old polytechnics, a bit like your Ivy Leagues and colleges that would give people practical skills. Like if they wanted to go into practical jobs, like if you wanted to be an electrician or a chef or whatever, whereas the thought leaders, the business minds, all of those sorts of people, they would go to these sort of red bricks and these other older institutions. They would come away thinking, oh, we're the leaders of tomorrow. But I found that um, sometimes the common sense and the practical 
experience wasn't there. And time and time again, employers complain about this. It creates a bit of tension. Your program is delivering on all of these. So why isn't it something that's been rolled out, if not in the US, globally? Because education is still being guided by old world thought. As I said earlier, you have to be innovative and you have to be willing to take a chance. And most schools, they go with this whole idea of it ain't broke, don't fix it. They don't even recognize that it's broken. The schools that are innovative, that do this first, they're going to reap the rewards. And what are those rewards? Their students are going to be way ahead of the competition. The proof of the, of the pudding is in the eating. So when you have all this information that clearly demonstrates that students that have been through that kind of program excel in so many ways, not just you know, academically in terms of in their careers, technically. And I suppose that even down to mental, mental health, you've got that bridge between one world and another. And I know it's difficult to acclimatize in a real organization when you've had no, you know, you have no inkling of what you're getting yourself into, whereas they've had years of this. So surely the information speaks for itself. Surely the successes uh, that they're achieving is enough to um, persuade some of these old timers that um, they should look into this a little bit more. Yes, they should. Definitely. They need to. They need to. There's an urgency to this. There really is. If we keep doing what we're doing, um, we're not going to be turning out the students that will lead the business world tomorrow. Primary example of that is, uh, if you remember, I had shut my business down. In July of this year, I reopened that business, but I reopened it as Kessler Professional Services. Um, which is an umbrella company. And one of the companies underneath it is KPS Distribution. We are a retail e-commerce. My students have built the Shopify website. They created the brand, the logo. Um, One of my former students is my partner. And we're building this business uh, in a service to the LaSalle community as well. So, What that means is a portion of our profits comes to LaSalle because if it wasn't for LaSalle, this this business never would have happened. Why? All of the businesses that we work with um, in the program and that create product, whether it be dresses, handbags, shampoo, whatever it is, is offered on our Shopify site. Um, And for those companies that are in Europe trying to break into the United States, which is the, the biggest, best shopping market in the world, um, we're giving them an avenue to break in. Not only is a portion of our profits coming to LaSalle, but also any job opportunities that come up will first go to a LaSalle alumni a fam- or a family member of a LaSalle alumni. And then once we've exhausted that and we don't have anybody, then we would go outside. But what we're trying to do is build a company that is completely entrenched in the LaSalle community to give back to the LaSalle community because it's the LaSalle community that helped build this opportunity. If someone's listening to this and then I want, I want to get involved, what would be the requirements? How would they contact you? What hoops would they have to jump Um, through to satisfy your... If they wanted to contact me, there's two different emails. The first email is mlevy, L-E-V-Y, at lasalleinstitute.org. If they want to be involved in the business program, 
if they want to be involved with KPS distribution, they would still have to be involved with the business program as well. Um, but that would be mlevy.kpsdist at gmail.com. Because I assume you just don't take any old business or any old business problems. What would they have to demonstrate to you? The first thing they would have to be demonstrating a willingness to work with my students. Number one, give us a project that we can work on that our kids can sink their teeth into. That would be critical, you know, and let us show you what we can do. That's pretty much it. Have faith in what we're doing here, and we will reward that faith with hard work and hopefully a successful conclusion to a project. It seems to me that the challenges of 2020 actually present a huge opportunity because a lot of businesses, a lot of business owners, were not really sure how to reposition or repurpose you know, their business onto this new medium, this new way of operating, mainly online, right. for, for instance. So if more people knew about what you guys were doing, it's an opportunity <laughs> for them to actually engage with you, give them real problems that have actually occurred as a result of 2020. Yeah. You guys have already been working this way for many years. So you're already kind of ahead of the field in terms of working electronically, remotely, using online, all those channels. It's a good idea. I haven't seen anything happening right now, but um, it's a good idea. Unfortunately, uh, our business program is the best kept secret in the world. Uh, that, that's the problem. And it's doing things like this, doing a podcast, uh, making sure that blogs are done, doing all these things helps to get the word out. You know, we are going from uh, being uh, for 170 years, a single gender school, an all boys private school to September of 2021 going co-ed. All right. So making sure that the world understands that Yes, we're making a change because the times dictate that. We really feel that it's time for, in our school, that girls should give, be given that same opportunity that our boys have had for 170 years. First off, that was Salian education, number one. And second, to have, to have the opportunity to be in programs like what we're doing here so that they can also step into the world and accomplish the things that we know they should be able to accomplish. It's a great move for us. Yeah, and I, th I think that's an excellent move. When you have them working together like that, you will actually unleash an even greater force in terms of achievement, competence, innovation, I, all of that. I think all people bring different thought processes to any project. And, um, you know, having, and I, and I hate to use this, this concept of the male and female perspective, but it's true. There is. I know in, in the business program, it'll be great to have that perspective, you know, a different way of looking at things, a, you know, a, a different excitement. I mean, it's great when, you know, when you are, we're an all boys school and we're working with a company that makes handbags. Whoa. You know, I mean, it's like. <laughs> There's a lot of baggage about being a boy that's kind of put into you when you're, you're tiny. And there's a lot of baggage about being a girl. So it's great at that stage that maybe you do get the boys looking at female type products and vice versa. Oh, we have, and we have a ton of stuff. We have skincare companies, uh, hair care products, handbags, you know, I'm looking for companies that, you know, sell shoes and we need that. And I need clothing, both men and women's clothing. And we want to build this, this, this thing. And the boys are going to be actively involved. My last interview was someone who makes shoes. <laughs> She was someone who used to be an architect, but now designs and makes shoes and sells shoes. 
I will put you two in contact. Oh my God, we'd love that. <laughs> any, any help that you can give us, uh, Vivian, to our business program would be greatly appreciated. And if you know somebody out there who's got some dinero that they don't mind giving up, supporting what we're doing here at LaSalle would be a great way for them to be in something that is really lighting the, the path for the future. So clients in terms of real world business problems, investors, when you say dinero, what form does that come in? Just like spell it out for me so that I'm clear. Cash. Cash. <laughs> no, I know what dinero is. I mean, you mean like in sponsorship or in what well, form? Sponsorships, they can support the school. Um, we do bring in international students. We have students that come in from China um, that go to school here and they go for the full four years. It's not like an exchange program. Uh, we would love to see students from the UK and uh, Europe to send their children to our school. Um, we have host families that will host them for their time while they're at LaSalle. So they, be, they act as that second family in a sense. So it's great opportunities here. And I think that as we grow as a school, as a community, being involved in that as a sponsor of that community would be beneficial to them. Hopefully in the spring, we can do another GBEI here. And then in the future, actually bring the GBEI to the UK. I will do everything in my power, definitely, to promote, to support, to spread the word, to send people your way in terms of real life business problems. I know a ton of businesses that have real life problems that um, materialize this year, believe it or not. Surprise, surprise. So I think you're doing fantastic work, Michael. I really do. I really commend you. I'll be paying attention, definitely. I'm looking forward to the integration with the girls coming into the school and just to hear more about what the kids are doing in general. Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure. I've been really looking forward to this. You've been listening to me, Vivian Braidwood. Ask me any lifestyle-related question or let me know which topic you'd like me to cover during our essential coffee break. Tag me and use the hashtag Shades and Coffee with Vivian on Twitter or Instagram. If you like this podcast, hit subscribe and please rate us. Shades and coffee. Look good, feel good. Mm-hmm.